Twitter's Bootstrap can help you build beautiful web apps quickly. It provides a variety of CSS and JavaScript for making layouts, navigation, forms, and a whole lot more. It even includes support for responsive web design, which you can see if I resize the browser window here, the page layout is going to adjust to best fit the browser's resolution. This can really improve the experience on mobile devices. It even collapses the menu automatically, which we can then expand by clicking this icon to see the various menu options. Really awesome. I encourage you to explore the rest of the site to see everything that Twitter Bootstrap provides, but here let me show you how you can use it with a Rails application. One option is to download the static CSS and JavaScript files by clicking on the Download Bootstrap button. And then you could just move the appropriate files into the App Assets directory, but I don't really recommend this approach if you're using Rails. And that's because Twitter Bootstrap is written using Less, which is a CSS preprocessor. It is very similar to SAS, which is used by Rails. Now, to get the most flexibility with Twitter Bootstrap, it's best to use it with a dynamic language such as Less instead of using the static compiled CSS which it outputs. So, to get to Less working with Rails, though, we'll need the help of RubyGems. There are several gems available for integrating Bootstrap with Rails. Here I'll be using the Twitter Bootstrap Rails gem, but I'll mention some alternatives at the end of this episode. I like this gem because it works directly with Less, and it offers some nice generators to help get you started. But I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here. I don't even have a Rails application yet, so let me first generate one so I can demonstrate how this works. So I'll create a new app here, call it Store. And then I also want to generate some scaffolding in here so that we have something to work with. And this will be a product model with a name and a price. And I'll also tell it to skip the style sheets because we want to use Bootstrap for that instead of the scaffolding CSS. And then migrate the database. So here's what that generated scaffolding looks like. It's not very pretty yet because we don't have any styling. So it's time to add Twitter Bootstrap. So going into the gem file of this application, I'm going to add the Twitter Bootstrap Rails gem into the assets group. It's only needed in the assets group because it's only used with the asset pipeline. If I'm using static assets in production, for example, then this gem won't be needed there. And then run the bundle command to install the gem along with its dependencies. It has several dependencies such as libv8 and less rails, and those all help interpret the less syntax. And then next run the provided generator called bootstrap install. So this sets up Bootstrap under the app assets, JavaScripts, and stylesheets directories. One key file that was generated is called bootstrap and overrides css.less, and this loads up Bootstrap and is a good place to customize the styling to your heart's content, but we'll leave it at its defaults for now. After a quick restart of the Rails app and reloading of this page, you can see the styling is already starting to look nicer, but there's still a lot to do. First, I will focus on improving the layout of this application and the bootstrap gem provides a nice command for generating a layout file, but I'm not going to use that here because I want to walk you through step-by-step -step on what's involved in changing the layout to give you a better idea of how Twitter Bootstrap works. Now there are two different kinds of layouts. There's a fixed width layout, which is a specific pixel width, and there's a fluid layout, which can expand to the full width of the browser. And a separate container class is provided depending on which one you want to go with. I'm going to go with the fixed width layout here. So going into my application's layout file, I can choose to wrap the content of my page inside of the div with the class of container to use that fixed width layout. 
Now, Twitter Bootstrap uses a 12-column grid system. This makes it easy to do a column-based layout design and specifying the width of each column. You can do so with row and span classes, like shown here. And this is responsive, so if I resize the web browser, the layout will change accordingly. So going back to my layout file, let's say I want to add a sidebar to this layout design. What I could do is make a div with the class of row, and then inside of there, make another div with the class of span, let's say nine for the main section, and then make it three for the sidebar. And then I could just move this yield call into the main section. And then I can put anything I want into the sidebar. Uh, for now, I'll just put an about us section, and I'll just, just toss in some uh, lorem text. Let's see how this looks so far by reloading this page. And there we go, we have our main section and an about us section split into two separate columns. Next, let's add a navigation bar to the top of this page with some links to get around the site. If you check out the components section of the documentation, you can see there are various navigation options that Twitter Bootstrap provides. In this case, we want a nav bar, and there's a lot you can do here with adding links, adding a dropdown section, uh, search fields, and so on. And each section has some nice HTML examples on how to add it to your nav bar. So I'll leave this up to you on how to mix and match the HTML examples on what exactly you want in your application. Here I'm just going to paste in the code necessary to add the nav bar to my layout file. Here's what it looks like. Uh, the list of links in the navigation bar are right here. I just tossed in a few placeholders for this simple store application. And here's the brand name section. And this section right here is pretty interesting. This handles the collapsing behavior of when the browser resizes for the navigation. Now let's try this out. Reloading the page shows us the nav bar at the top. But notice that this is the collapsed version, but I'm able to see the links in this manner. This is just because that the video resolution I'm recording at isn't wide enough to show the full version. I actually have to extend the window outside of the frame of the video to show the uncollapsed version. So now we get the links at the top like we expect. However, we do have a problem and that is the top part of the page is being covered up by the nav bar now. And so this is a side effect of using a fixed nav bar like I'm using in this application. It mentions in the documentation that to avoid this, you need to add at least 40 pixels padding to the top of your body tag between the bootstrap CSS and the responsive CSS. So we can do this inside of the bootstrap and overrides less file. Notice in here it's including both the bootstrap and responsive files, and the documentation said padding needs to be added to the top of the body in between these two includes. So we'll say padding top, uh, let's make it 60 pixels at the top there. So now when I reload this page here, the uh, top of the page is no longer hidden behind the navbar. It works. All right, this application layout file is pretty much complete now. There are just a couple more things that I need to add to the head tag here to ensure that it works everywhere. One is this viewport meta tag. This fixes the responsive design behavior on mobile devices. And I also want to add this code right here, which improves the HTML5 support in older versions of Internet Explorer. And that's it. Now this layout file is ready to go. Now what about the other views in this application? Well, there's a lot that Twitter Bootstrap provides to improve the look of what the scaffolding generated for us. But before I get into that, let me first fill this database up with records so that we have more content to work with. There we go, that looks good. Now let's pretty it up with Twitter Bootstrap. Now instead of walking through each change manually, 
I'm going to use the generator provided by the Bootstrap gem called Themed. And this is designed to work on top of a scaffolding, so you need to pass in the name of the scaffolding, in this case, Products. And you can pass a dash F option because you're going to be overriding uh, several of the view files that are generated by the scaffolding. And there we go, it forced the overriding of all those files. Now let's take a look and see what this did. Well, it now looks a whole lot nicer. Uh, the table is a lot cleaner here. The action buttons are much prettier. Uh, going to an individual product, you can see there's a special action section with buttons. We can try editing a product and our form looks much cleaner than it did before with the old generated scaffolding. So it's amazing what a little bit of styling with Twitter Bootstrap can do to improve the look of things. We can view the source for these templates to see exactly how this works. You can see the table just took a couple of classes to make it look really nice. Uh, the buttons each have a few classes added to them. Uh, probably the biggest change is just inside of the form where the structure of this changed quite a bit, but it serves as a nice example on how you can get a form to look really nice with Twitter Bootstrap. Well, we're nearing the end of this episode. I hope you enjoyed this look at integrating Twitter Bootstrap with Rails. Now, if you want to see some alternative options to the gem that I've shown you in this episode, check out this article on Ruby Source. It nicely explains how Twitter Bootstrap works and various options and gems that are available to integrate it with Rails. I'll link to this in the show notes. Well, that's it for this episode on Twitter Bootstrap Basics. Thanks for watching. In this week's pro episode, I continue on from the project we built in this episode and show you how to display flash messages as well as improve the validation error handling in the forms using SimpleForm. I also show you how to customize the design further by overriding variables and how to switch over to using SAS if you like. To watch that episode and all other pro and revised episodes, just head on over to railscast.com pro and then sign up there for just $9 per month.